Well, I am excited to have Dennis uh, preaching for us uh, this morning. And uh, I know as a pastor, there's three topics that after I've preached on, I feel like I could just keep preaching it and preaching it and preaching it. And those three topics for me are evangelism, uh, because we don't like to leave our comfort zone. Giving, because we don't like to give up what we think is ours. And prayer, because we don't want to give up our time. And the reality is, when I look at our prayer life, as believers, it doesn't match what we see in Scripture. Uh, It doesn't look the same. And when you think of the life of Jesus, the only thing that I remember, the disciples asking Jesus to teach them, he didn't say teach us how to preach, but they all did it. He didn't say teach us how uh, to, you know, do a miracle, but they did it. When they encountered Jesus, they said, teach us how to pray. And so Dennis has been leading uh, prayer seminars all over uh, teaching pastors how to pray and leading prayer summits. And so I'm excited to hear what he has uh, to say. So Dennis, come up and preach the word for us. And you're a very wise man, not to try to pronounce my last name. Let me just say it this way, that I have had this last name for years and years, and I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) No. Excuse me. uh, my last name is pronounced few, quay, few like not very many, quay. You know what a quay is, don't you? I don't either. But it's just, I'm just a few of them. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning. And um, the topic I'm going to be sharing on is why I take the Lord's Prayer seriously. And I just want to mention that um, when I think about the Lord's Prayer... And the use of the Lord's Prayer in congregations, most of us are very familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And most of us have grown up, if we grew up in church, we grew up in a a church or a family that said the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. But when I think about taking the Lord's Prayer seriously, it's it's like what I'm inviting you to do is this. Reach into the lower shelf and pull out that Lord's Prayer and give it a good shake and dust it off. You see, I don't think think that when Jesus gave the words of the Lord's Prayer that he ever had in mind that it would end up on a kitchen plaque. Now, it's fine that it is on a kitchen plaque, but I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he gave it. I think what he had in mind is that it would actually be in our hearts and in our minds, in our spirits, as we we pray. So, Father, I I simply want to ask that you you would refresh our thinking and our practice in relationship to the Lord's Prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's some questions I have for you. Since prayer is such an essential topic, why hasn't, why hasn't God made it a little bit more plain, more clear? I mean, couldn't he maybe come down out of heaven and, and just tell us, here's the best way to pray? Well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be wonderful 
if you had an opportunity to ask Jesus, how do you want us to pray? And he would actually give you an answer? Why hasn't he just said, this is how I want you to do this? Why hasn't he just said, when you pray, oh, you, you mean he has? <laughs> he did those things. He, he did, he literally came down out of heaven and said, when you pray, here's what I want you to pray. So there's three key factors as to why I take the Lord's Prayer seriously, and obviously by implication, I want to encourage you to take it far more seriously than you've ever taken it before. The first factor is what I simply call the the obedience factor. Jesus didn't say, if you pray, pray like this. He said, when you pray, pray like this. It's a specific command. Now, so as we think about the obedience factor, I want us to first notice who it is that is telling us how to pray. You know this, but I just want to remind us in our thinking, the person who told us how to pray was not simply some wandering rabbi 2,000 years ago wandering the the deserts of Judea, and when asked, well, how should we do this? He was sort of caught off guard and grabbed this thought and this thought and this thought and said, oh, and you should probably put some of this in there too. He wasn't cooking a prayer stew by throwing in a few things. This was God in the human flesh. This was the Almighty. This was the God who created the entire universe. This is the God, it says in Psalms, this is the God who with the breath of his mouth, he created all the stars. This is the one who created prayer. This is the inventor of prayer. If you, if you years ago wanted to know how to drive a Ford vehicle or how to fix a Ford vehicle, if you had access to Henry Ford, you had an advantage. This is, the, this is the Henry Ford of prayer. This is the one who invented this. This should not just simply be seen as other, other prayers sort of hop, uh, hobnob together. This is, this is the Himalaya of prayers. This is the Mount Everest of prayers. Then secondly, I want you to notice that this was given on two separate occasions. It wasn't just given one time, it was given twice. If, if in fact, it was just given once, we should pay clear attention to it. Amen? You folks say amen? You do? Okay. Well, I'll give you another opportunity. If it was just spoken once, we should pay close attention to it. Very good. But it wasn't just given once. It was given on two separate occasions. The first occasion, it's in Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the, what's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in the middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus gives specific direction on three spiritual disciplines. When you give, give like this. When you pray, pray like this. And when you fast, fast like this. And right in the middle of his, not only in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, but in the middle of his instructions upon upon spiritual disciplines, he gives us these words that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus initiated to his disciples and a whole bunch of others. He initiated the conversation and he said, guys, this is how I want you to do this. Now, Years later, well, many, many months, probably as many as two years later, in Luke 11, it's recorded again. Now, Matthew 6 and Luke 11 are not parallel accounts. It's not Matthew and Luke recording the same event in their books. It's two separate occasions. Matthew 6, it's Jesus-initiated. Luke 11, it's the disciples who initiated it. They're probably on the Mount of Olives. Jesus slips away and prays. And some of his guys, maybe Nathaniel, maybe Matthew, some of his guys heard them, heard him pray, and they said, wow, he is really good at this. <laughs> he, he knows how to do this really, really well. So they come up and they say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Now, I've not watched the video of this, except in my imagination. And I think it went something like this. Jesus is praying. Disciples see him pray. They come and they say, Jesus, would you teach us? John, John's taught his disciples to pray. Would you teach us to pray? And I think Jesus gets this little grin on his face, sort of a wry little smile. He says, yeah, I can do that. They take out their papyra. Their, they didn't have digital stuff back then, did they? They had, they had original tablets, like stone tablets and such. So they, 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 start, they start writing down, and Jesus says, Okay, guys, when you pray, start out like this. Our Father in heaven, Peter's taking notes here. Our Father in heaven, let your name be holy, your kingdom come. About the time they get down to let your kingdom come, I think John jabs James and says, my, this sounds familiar. And and Jesus is loving it. He's the master teacher And what he's doing is he's telling them now, when they asked him, he's telling them exactly the same thing, almost word for word, as what he told them when he initiated it a year and a half or two years earlier. So my point is this. Perhaps we should should let this impact us in this way. It's given in two different settings, Two different occasions, two different mountains. You see the map there, a map of the Holy Lands. The Sea of Galilee is the body of water way up at the top. The Dead Sea is down below. Jerusalem is just about at the top of the Dead Sea. Galilee is way up above. Matthew 6 happened way up at Galilee. And then 18 months, two years or so later, 
It's there down in Jerusalem, separated by many miles and many months. And here's the deal. Maybe, just maybe, when Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, I don't know, perhaps he actually meant it? Perhaps he meant, if you want to pray the way heaven wants you to pray, this is the way to do it. And we have, we have heard this prayer and we have prayed this prayer in almost a rote manner so much that it's hard for us to move out of the roteness of it and move it into real meaningful prayer. But I want to I just tell you a brief story. I'm going to amplify this story tonight. Uh, but years ago, when I was pastoring in my hometown of Gig Harbor, Washington, and by the way, Jim, uh, my high school classmate is here this morning. Good to see him and his wife. Um, we went to Peninsula High School together many, <clears throat> many decades ago. Uh, and uh, then I, went, I came back and I pastored there in Gig Harbor. And about two or three years into my pastoral ministry, I just had this sense that I was not tapping into prayer the way I should or the way God wanted me to. And so my mother had a motorhome. The church had some property. We were still renting space, but the church had some property. I went, I drove the motorhome on out to my mother's property and, and stayed, I think I was there for a couple nights, two or three nights. And I think this happened on the second day. I, was, I play guitar, so I was playing my guitar, and I, was, and I was praying, and I was kneeling and praying, and I was shouting and praying. I just, I just simply wanted to do this more and better. And I don't ever remember saying the words, Lord, teach me to pray. But really, that's what I was doing. And so my right foot was on the first step of the motorhome as I was going out to walk around and pray. And almost instantly, there was a download from heaven. I didn't hear audible words, but I sure heard a message from heaven. It was in three parts. The first part was this. Dennis, this is a good thing. You want to pray better. And, and then I felt like he sort of said, and quite frankly, I want you to pray better too. That was not a compliment. I did not catch that as a compliment from God. And then he said, years ago, my disciples asked me this same question, and I gave them an answer. Do you need a better answer than what I gave them? I have no better answer. That was the best answer I could think of. Do you need a better answer? Because if you need a better answer, I don't have one for you. And the third thing is, why don't you just pretend, quote unquote, why don't you just pretend for about for the next 50 years or so that this is how I want you to do it? Just go and do this and see what happens. I turned around, went back into the motorhome, got on my knees, and for the first time in my life, I prayed through all the words of the Lord's Prayer. That wasn't new. But I prayed through every word of the Lord's Prayer, seeking to mean every word of the Lord's Prayer. That event changed my life. It probably took 37 seconds or something like that for me to do that. But then I just went back and did it again and went back and did it again. And from that, this passage of Scripture, these verses in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 down through 13, have become the most meaningful verses in my entire life. Next to verses that pointed me to my initial relationship with Jesus, these verses, more than any other verses, have shaped 
my life. Not simply my prayer life, not simply my spiritual life, but my entire life. It's, it's become like a curriculum for my life. And I'm delighted to be able to live in it and to be able to share it with other people. So, thinking about, we're still under the obedience factor here. I want to just remind you of some things that Scripture says about the significance of responding to what we have heard. Responding to what we have heard. In in John chapter 13, Jesus, this is the upper room discourse, literally a day or so before he dies. Jesus is with his disciples. That's when he put on the the towel around his waist and he he knelt down and and he washed the disciples' feet. And then he said these words, If you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. The blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing. If we have the words of the Lord's Prayer memorized in our head, there's no real blessing in that. It's when we pray them that there is a genuine blessing from God. And then on the other side of it is James chapter 1, verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Look at the contrast between these two verses. Here is John chapter 13, verse 17 over here. If you hear the word... And do the word, you'll be blessed. James chapter 1, verse 22. If you hear the word and don't do the word, there's danger that we'll be deceived. So Jesus takes these two ideas in this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, the last part of the 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 Sermon on the Mount, and he tells a story, and you guys remember this story. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. So the, there, he, Jesus tells the story of two guys. Guy one hears Jesus. That's a little fuzzy, isn't it, dear? I'm not sure why, I'll, I'll, but here, you know, just follow me along the way. The, the top line is they heard Jesus. He put his words into practice. Jesus said he was a wise man. Jesus said he's building his life on a solid foundation. He said that he was going to experience a storm. But when he experienced the storm, he would survive the storm well. The second guy also heard Jesus did not put his words into practice. Jesus said that's a foolish man. The foolish man is not the person who doesn't hear Jesus' instruction. That's an ignorant man. The foolish man is the person who hears and doesn't do. That's, that's, there's a problem with that one. Jesus said that person is like a person who's built their life on a, on a sandy foundation. They also are going to experience a storm. Notice that, that both those who do what Jesus said and those who don't do what Jesus said, they both experience storms in life. 
Just because we're followers of Jesus doesn't mean that we're exempt from, from storms. But we get to survive the storm as opposed to be damaged by the storm. So the first factor is just simply the obedience factor. The second factor is what I call the practical factor. We pray in order to see things changed, right? And I don't know of a better way to pray than the Lord's Prayer. Simply looking carefully at the content of this prayer evokes something from us. It's because we've said it over and over and over so many times that it gets dusty. But when we dust it off, look at it carefully, I think, I believe that if you do what I've done, you will come to the same conclusion that I've come to as well. This is a masterpiece prayer. In fact, I can't think of a better way to pray. Can you? Careful now, careful. <laughs> if you can think of a better way to pray, give it to me. And if you have the credentials that Jesus has, and if you give me the content that Jesus gave me, I, might, I may consider your prayer. But until then, I, I just simply, I, why do I pray the Lord's Prayer almost every morning in, in my own personal time of, in, in devotion? It's because I can't think of a better way to do it. It's the best way. Why would I, why would I give myself to second or third best when, when first best is available? So it's the, it's the practical factor. The, the seven requests in the Lord's Prayer cover all of God's heart and all of our needs. Let's take a look here. This is the, the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is the version that we're very familiar with. What I want to do now is I want to I help you open that drawer, take it out and shake it off a little bit. I just want to show, you, show it to you in a different format here. All I've done is sort of updated words. It's a translation. I've just sort of updated words and rearranged things in a little bit. I put some numbers in here. Let your name be holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Bracket. All on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> the, the problem is not in heaven. The problem is here on earth. Have you noticed? This is, where the, this is where this prayer needs to be answered. In heaven, Jesus' name, the Father's name, is pretty well recognized as holy. His kingdom is pretty established there. His will is pretty much accomplished there. Heaven doesn't need our prayers. Earth needs our prayers. Earth needs to reflect heaven. So I, I want to suggest that the best way to pray this is to untie that phrase on earth as it is in heaven, untie it from the last line, the third line there, and united equally to the first line, second line, and the third line. Now, during the seminar tonight and tomorrow night, we'll unpack these and, and I'll have more opportunity and give us opportunity to actually pray from them. I just want to give you a sort of a scratch and sniff test, uh, taste right here. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I've, said, I've translated that evil one there because really that is the way that it... I don't know why the, the others didn't translate it, why they just said deliver us from evil because there is a... Here's the technical part. There's a, a, a definite pronoun there, the, the evil one. But I, I mentioned that that these seven requests contain all of God's heart and all of our needs. Look at the common pronoun, please, of the first three requests. Your. Your name. Your kingdom. Your will. Now, the establishment of the name of God as being holy is a major theme of Scripture. You can follow that theme literally from Genesis through Revelation. It wasn't just inserted here in this prayer. This, the, prayer the line in the prayer reflects this huge heart of God. One of the things that God is always doing is He's always wanting people to understand more and more who He actually is. We have, we have, we've developed all kinds of misconceptions of who God is. And this line... Let your name be holy. What it's communicating is that as we pray, we have the opportunity to join with God's heart to have other people have an accurate understanding of who he actually is. Let your name be holy. Here on earth, here in Hillsborough, here in my household, here with my neighbors, here in my county, here in my country, as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Again, this theme is not just inserted here in the Lord's Prayer. This is a reflection of a, of a huge biblical theme. And the anticipation is that there will be a time when his kingdom actually comes in full measure. Glory. You missed a chance. You missed a chance to say amen there. Okay? I'll give, I'll give you no, except this one, it's, it's glory this time, okay? There's, there's a coming time when his kingdom actually will come and we won't have to put up with all the extra junk. Glory, amen, amen. And then let his will be done. The desire of the Father is that his will would be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven, not because he's some kind of a taskmaster, but because he's a loving father. He knows what's best for us, and he longs that we would enter into his will, live life according to his plan, because I, I can tell you, since, since, I was, since August 1st, 1968, when I was at that campground, Mayfield Lake Youth Camp, when I said, God, I give you my entire life, I haven't fulfilled his will perfectly since then, but I've, I've sought to do that on a regular basis, and I can tell you my life is far, far better because I've submitted to that rather than where I was going. And then notice the, notice the key pronouns of the second half of the prayer. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Deliver us. I remember when I first discovered this, I was, it was there in the motorhome. Just the second or third time I prayed it, I thought, look at that. There's a your half to this prayer, and there's an us half to this prayer. Somehow, I just thought, that prayer was just simply about the us half. I'd forgot, I didn't, I didn't know about the your half. Saints, listen to me. Prayer becomes dynamic, it becomes exciting when we see 
that the first portion of prayer, the first priority of prayer is not about us. It's about Him. God, we want, we're, we're joining with you so that your will is accomplished here on earth, that your kingdom is established here on earth, that your name is seen as holy here on earth. Now, there is an us half, but the us half is the second half. In fact, these, these two halves reflect the last verse of, the, the next to last verse of this chapter, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, 33. Many of you know it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? And all these other things will be added unto you. If we focus on the first half, he seemingly, seemingly takes care pretty well of the second half. So these seven requests are the requests that we'll unpack here, and I believe that, that you'll find some very helpful, practical ways to be praying these requests uh, as we move through the seminar tonight and tomorrow night. So there's the obedience factor, there's the practical factor, and then here's my favorite, there's the relational factor. The relational factor. You see, communication is, is just the, the, the basis of all of all relationships. In fact, the, uh, it, what helps me is to understand this. All this stuff about prayer is not really primarily about prayer. It's primarily about a deeper love relationship with our Heavenly Father. And communication is the, the level of communication in all of our relationships both defines and determines the level of, of of our relationship. Parent and child, good communication, good relationship. Husband and wife, good communication, good relationship. Mediocre communication, <laughs> mediocre relationship. Bad communication, come on honey, let's go see Pastor Dave. Okay? Uh, communication is the basis of all of our relationship and it, it defines and determines the level of our, our relationship. So, and, and the rest of the story, or more of the story is this. Our most important relationship is our relationship with our God. Our relationship with our Father, our Heavenly Father, ref, um, um, directs all the other relationships that we have. If, if, if we have a good relationship with our Heavenly Father, we have good relationships. We have at least the opportunity to have good relationships with other people. If we have a bad relationship with God, it just makes other relationships much more, much more difficult. And so, therefore, the level of my communication with God, that is my prayer life, defines and determines the level of my relationship with the most, my most important relationship that I have. So, that's why I'm excited. That's why I'm still, after almost 40 years since that incident in, in the motorhome, why I'm still using the Lord's Prayer as a pattern of my own personal life. And I can tell you this, I've prayed this prayer thousands of times. I haven't worn it out yet. It's like an artesian well. It's fresh all the time. It's, it's, it's manna. It's, it's fresh manna on a regular basis. Over and over and over again, new stuff comes to me as I use this 
as a pattern of my own personal time of prayer. The more I pray, the more I grow in the Lord, the more I grow, the more I pray. It's a wonderful cycle here. So now, what I want you to do over the next little bit here is I want you to notice what this prayer teaches us about who God is. First of all, teaches us that he's, the, he's our Father. We can relate to Him. Now, in our lives, we've had fathers who, some of us have had, have had fathers who did a great job in reflecting our Heavenly Father. Wonderful. Some of us, had fathers who did a very poor job, whatever the circumstance, but they did a very poor job in reflecting who our Heavenly Father is. I have great news for you. Whether you had a wonderful human father or whether you had a terrible human father, you can have a wonderful father-child relationship with the God of the universe. That's his desire. And I've found that praying this, praying from this prayer, has given me a wonderful appreciation for God as my Heavenly Father. I can relate to him. But then it also says, our Father in heaven. Yikes. <laughs> so, because he's our Father, we can relate to him, but because he's our Heavenly Father, we, we stand in awe of Him and we can't relate to Him. He is, he is a personal God, but He is also an infinite God. We can relate to Him, but we, can, we should never come to Him casually thinking He is just simply our buddy. He's not our buddy. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the Almighty Creator he is, he is the one who sits on the throne and the cherubim and the seraphim around him are crying out, holy, holy, holy. So he's our father. He's also our heavenly father. And his name is the most holy name we will ever come across. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Tell, talk to us more about this idea of holiness tonight in a way that I think you'll grab hold of and I think it will, it will make a huge difference in the way that you think about his name as well as you, the way that you think about holiness in general. I don't have time to, to describe it right at this moment, but, but uh, the idea of holiness um, is so easily gets twisted in our culture Today. We, we end up thinking that it's just a, sort of a series of lists of do's and don'ts. It's far, far different, far better than that. And then his kingdom is the best form of government we will ever have the opportunity of living in. I love being an American. I love living in our country. Not perfect, but it's far more perfect than any other place that I know of. But it doesn't hold a candle to the government that is coming, the government that is just all the time, the government that, that is all-knowing. That's the one I'm looking forward to. And then also, 
following his will is the best invitation that I've ever received, the best invitation that anyone has ever possibly received is the invitation to not do it my way, but to do it his way. Frank Sinatra got it wrong when he's saying, I did it my way. The best way is to recognize that, as the proverb says, there's a way that seems right unto a person, but the end of that way is death. But he invites us to life, and life everlasting, life to the full. And then in the second half, give us this day our daily bread. He is the best giver ever. My wife is a tremendous gift giver, and I dread her birthdays and Mother's Day and those kinds of things because I can just never match the gifts that she gives to me. I scramble for something and she dutifully and wonderfully and very kindly opens it up and says, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, huh. <laughs> but she gives me gifts that are just right on track. And God is the best gift giver ever. He's also the best forgiver ever. I am so grateful that he not only knows how to forgive me, he not only knows how to help me forgive others, he has provided the pathway for me to receive forgiveness as well as to forgive others. Being, walking in forgiveness and granting forgiveness is one of the best aspects of how to live a full life. Bitterness kills our spirit, our soul, and our bodies. Forgiveness brings life to us, and he's the best forgiver. He's also the best leader ever. Lead us, not a temptation. He's the best leader ever. One of the joys of my life is that I have, I have never, wor I've worked in ministry jobs for all of my adult life, and I've never had a, a ministry job because I applied for it. I've always had ministry jobs because he led me here and led me there and led me there. His leadership in our lives is a tremendous, tremendous gift. And then also, he's the best deliverer ever. He's the best postman. He knows how to, to deliver the goods to where the goods need to be. And he delivers us, he protects us, as well as he delivers us not only from the evil one, but he also delivers us to wonderful, wonderful places. <clears throat> so there's the obedience factor, the practical factor, the relational factor. And <clears throat> I want to suggest to you that the Lord's Prayer is the place where you can fulfill that obedience factor in the best possible way. Where as you pray it, you will be praying the most practical, the most powerful prayers that you've ever prayed. And also, as you do it, you will develop a relationship. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father will develop in such a way that you've never dreamed possible that it could develop. I am convinced <clears throat> that the Lord's Prayer is the best possible tool that God has given us. Because when we do it, we're clearly in obedience with him. 
When we pray, according to his, the pattern in the Lord's Prayer, we're praying the best possible prayers. And as we do that, we're growing in relationship better than any other way that I know of. But the issue is not why I value the Lord's Prayer, why I think the Lord's Prayer, why I'm a fanatic about the Lord's Prayer. The issue is, what about you? How can you take the Lord's Prayer more seriously? I have five specific things here. First of all, just simply hear this message. It's not a new message. Just hear this message. Respond to it. Do it. Open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Remember it. Look at the plaque. Whatever, you know, remember it from your memory, whatever. Just simply pray it. And as you pray it, the Lord will unpack it. He'll, he'll expand the words and the ideas. Secondly, I want to suggest that uh, buying my copy of Living Prayer, the Lord's Prayer Alive in You, will help you in that process. Uh, it's a book that took me about 30 years and three years to write. 30 years of doing it, about three years of writing it. And uh, <clears throat> it's been very, very helpful. Just uh, this morning, my wife took 10 copies to another church to, uh, because the guy bought a copy and wanted more. Uh, pastors have read this book and preached sermon, a series, uh, ser- sermon series on them and such. I've been very, very encouraged by the way that the Lord has used this little book. It's not the end all. Uh, J.I. Packer has written on the Lord's Prayer. John MacArthur has written on the Lord's Prayer. People far better than me have written on this, but here's the unique thing about this book. Their books were a series of sermons that they put into a book. This book, the whole purpose of this book is to help us, to assist us, to give us training wheels to pray the Lord's Prayer. In fact, the last third of the book contains a whole bunch of different prayers that I've written, that I've prayed and then wrote down uh, from the Lord's Prayer. And so I just simply want to unashamedly encourage you, uh, okay, if you're coming to the seminar tonight, you'll get a copy of the book. If you're not planning on coming to the seminar tonight, shame on you. Oh, no, did I say that? No, if you're not, and there's lots of valid reasons why you wouldn't come, but if you're not planning on coming to the seminar tonight, you can get a copy of the uh, Living Prayer back here. And then also, I've written two other books, um, one on facilitating group prayer, um, and then also one on, on biblical meditation. Uh, the way that we can engage with Scripture and meditate on Scripture. And I wrote that book because all that I know about the Lord's Prayer simply came from meditating on it. I didn't read other books about it. I just simply prayed it and meditated on it and then later on wrote about that. So those three books are back there. Um, they, uh, they're available for just $10 a piece. A special deal today and today only. If you buy two, it's just $20. Yeah, it just works out like that, and three would be $30. So $10 a piece is what they are back there. And then also, come to the seminar tonight uh, it, and tomorrow night. I think you'll find it very, very encouraging, very helpful. And then also, the fourth one is, is um, uh, you can download uh, from uh, the website lppress.net, lppress.net. You can download a 10-week study guide, a free um, study guide, and, and get with your, uh, your family, get with some other people. And work through that. I think you'll find that very, very helpful. And then the most important one is just practice, practice, practice. Go and do it. Do it, do it, do it. And if you miss a week, don't get guilty. Just do it again. Just, just pick up wherever it was that you left off and, and do it again. So here's what I want to do now, though, to help us practice. Remember this slide? Pick a number, any number between 1 and 7. 
I want you to just grab a line. Don't do more, any more than one line, just one line. You only get one line apiece, okay? Pick a number, it might be line number three, might be line number six, whatever, whatever line it is. And I'm going to ask you to pray that way in three specific ways, just silently. I'm going to ask you to pray that way in three specific ways. So just, just grab a line there, okay? All right, here's the moment of truth. If you have a line, raise your hand. All right, good, good. Just so grab a line. I'm going to do line two. That's what I'm going to do. And I'd like you to take about, literally, about 10 to 15 seconds and just pray that line for yourself. So I would pray, I will pray, Lord, I want to ask that you would let your kingdom come. God, let it come and start in me. Don't just come over there, but come here. Let your kingdom come here in my life like it is in heaven. And then secondly, pray that same prayer for someone else in the room right now. Pray that same prayer for someone else in the room. And then thirdly, the, 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 the last uh, uh, 10 or 15 seconds, pray that for someone outside of this room right now. Okay? So first, pray it just for yourself. Go ahead and grab your line and just pray it silently. All you have to do is just simply read the line, if, if nothing else, but just you can go ahead and expand a little bit, but I'll interrupt you after about 10 or 15 seconds and have you shift to the next one. So about 10 or 15 seconds, pray a line for yourself, please. Now please pray that same line for someone else in the room right now. And now, please pray that same line for someone outside of the room right now. And Father, uh, thank you very much that uh, you directed Jesus to give us clear instruction about prayer. We don't have to grope and wonder and ponder, how do we do this best? You've told us very clearly. So God, I want to ask that you would go far beyond what I've said in these words. Would you go far beyond anything I've said and encourage us to grab hold of this, use this tool that you've given us in such a way that Jesus would receive more honor and glory and your kingdom, in fact, would come in our lives and through our lives to other people in Jesus' name. Amen.